Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And that's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here singing solo tonight as we bring you a great episode of Talking in Circles. Tonight we will talk to DJ Cop from Cop Motorsports about his race team. Uh, some rumors in the truck series going to create engines next season. Uh, we'll all get his opinion on Cup guys in the truck series as well. Um, also, we're going to discuss the rumor about Casey Kane. Is he leaving Hendrick Motorsports for Levine Family Racing? We know he's leaving Hendrick Motorsports. But where will his destination be for 2018? Also, Michael McDowell. If Kane goes to 95, where does McDowell end up? And a new number for Chase Elliott at Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, William Byron will drive the 24 car next year. Chase Elliott will drive the 9. Is that a big deal? We'll talk about it. Plus, your phone call is 917-889-8280 here tonight on Talking Circles. Let's get right into it. Clayton Caldwell singing solo tonight. Let's get right into it as we bring you talking in circles. Um, you know, the first off, the rumor with Casey Kane. Um, I think Casey Kane is a is a driver who um, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think he's a guy who, in the right opportunity with the right team, I think he could do very well. Um, I don't know what's gone on the last three years at Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, I think Casey's done a fine job. Um, Everywhere else he's been besides Hendrick Motorsports, it just hasn't worked for him. Um, I don't know if it's the team a little bit off. You know, Hendrick hasn't had the speed the last year and a half here. I know Jimmy won the championship a year ago, but he had a really strong 10 races. But even before that, there was talk about Hendrick really struggling. Um, if you remember correctly, Ray Evernham went and did a test at Indianapolis with Chad Knauss a couple of years ago. Last year, I believe it was, last Indianapolis, just to figure out, try and get more speed and Hendrick Motorsports' cars. And, um, you know, I think when you look at that, I think Casey is a byproduct of a little bit of everything. You know, he had a really good year his first year, Hendrick Motorsports. Since then, it's not been very good. Um, Whether he's gotten comfortable there, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's a fact that, you know, things aren't working, so you got to change it up. And Rick Hendrick's come out and said, listen, I'm going to do everything I possibly can for Casey Kane. I'm going to do everything I can to get him a good ride next year. And everybody assumed when he said that it was going to be a, at GMS racing, GMS racing, a truck series team, an Xfinity series team with Maurice Gallagher, who's got a ton of money with the Legionnaire behind him. Uh, There was rumor they're going to go to a two car operation next year in the cup series with Spencer Gallagher being the driver that has fizzled out. 
Bob Pockers came out today on a tweet and said that is no longer the case. Um, he was told by GMS Racing they're not going to go full-time in Cup in 2018. Uh, I do hear they have a restricted play car. Um, they might even run the Indianapolis or might even run Talladega in October. They're probably going to run the Daytona 500 next year, but they're not going to run full time. Um, so that kind of lets Casey Kane out in the dark a little bit. Um, but Levine Family Racing is an interesting team. I saw this first on jski.com, give him the credit, uh, that he had rumored that Casey Kane was going to go to the 95 car, um, which is where Michael McDowell currently is. Michael McDowell has had a really nice year in that 95 car at Levine Family Racing. Um, was going to be out and driving one of the front row motorsports cars. What looks like number 34. That's where Jayski had him on his team chart. Um, so when you look at that, you say, well, why would Casey King go to the 95? That was the first question I was asked. It's a good question. I mean, the 95 is a team that sure they've run very well this year, but they're not a top echelon team. But when they get backing from Hendrick Motorsports, I think they're going to be looked at as sort of the 78 team of Chevrolet of Hendrick Motorsports what the 78 team is to Joe Gibbs Racing is what uh, the 95 team will be looked at for Hendrick Motorsports. And if that's the case, um, then you're going to sit there and you're going to wonder, well, what's going on with the 95 team? Why would he do that? Why would he get rid of Michael McDowell? Let's see some loyalty here, please. You know, Michael McDowell's a good driver, but Casey Kane comes at a cheaper price. He comes with Hendrick attached to him. And if you can get Hendrick engines and chassis, you're going to run faster. Bob Levine's a guy who wants to win now. Um, here's an opportunity that is going to be team-changing. It's going to be organizational changing. I mean, Bonnie Visser, before he aligned with Richard Childress, was a back-of-the-pack team. He was, you know, a good day for him was 21st. And when he aligned with Richard Childress, he did very well, and then he went to Joe Gibbs Racing, and they, and they got a great crew chief and a good driver over there, Martin Tricks Jr. and, and Cole Pern, and they've taken off. And who said that can't be the same for Bob Levine? I, a very wealthy man, a single car operation. You only focus on one team. You bring a nice crew chief in there who doesn't, who knows what he's talking about. Now, I have no idea who they're going to hire as crew chief. But you bring in a good driver like Casey Kane, and you give him a second life and say, Casey's going to go out there and he's going to make it work for us. Um, I think that's very possible. I think that could very possibly happen here. I do feel bad for Michael McDowell. He's a guy who's, who's taken his lumps in this sport, um, driving some really, really tough race teams. You know, Phil Parsons, he, he was there through the tough days of Phil Parsons before he sold, um, you know, ran a couple of years with the 95 team before they had a major affiliation, which it sounds like they're going to have next year. And he's done a nice job this year. Todd Parrott's a great crew chief. Um, I doubt Richard Childress lets him go to the 95 team. Uh, I don't know whether, or, or even to the 34 team. I don't think uh, Todd Parrott's going to go anywhere. He's probably going to stay at Richard Childress racing. You're probably going to see him move into one of those teams. If we don't see the threes performance pick up a little bit here. Um, so when I think you look at that, you say, that's kind of sticks for Mike McDowell. He had an opportunity here to grow with this team. And it had to be tough for him. I, I can't even imagine um, if he, if he, you know, gets to a point where he's going to lose his ride. It's going to be tough. But um, we're talking. We're going to talk to team owner DJ Cobb here. And uh, DJ, is that you? Yeah, I'm on. Hey, how are you? Uh, thanks for talking circles tonight. 
Um, first thing I want to talk about is this is your first year in the truck series as an owner. Um, how has the season gone in your eyes when you put this deal together earlier in the year? Uh, did you envision it when you sat there in August and, and you look at it now and you say, is this what I thought it was going to be? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it's a, an interesting question. I wish it was a simple answer to it, right? You know, the, the, everybody knows that the sport is uh, one that's expensive to be involved in. And when you look at results, the finishing uh, of where you, where you finish from week to week, that's usually what dictates success. Um, we went into it with a little different approach, right? We, we knew we had to build inventory. We knew we had to figure out uh, what is actually needed so that we can compete with these other guys. We didn't have a plan to roll in a bunch of money without having an efficient process. So when we started the year, we wanted to continue on with a, a guaranteed start, and we raced points at the beginning of the year. And we only spent an, as much as we needed to stay in that area where we were guaranteed start. And then teams started falling away. We saw, you know, obviously what happened with Red Horse Racing, some other teams that ran on a part-time schedule, uh, the 92, the 75, you know, they started running the first five, six races of the season. And once they, they started, um, you know, limiting their schedule a little bit, it, it made us change our approach because then all of a sudden the way NASCAR uh, guarantees your start is by the amount of races you attend. And we have attended every single race. And right now we're 25th in points, but we're actually about 20th in the owner's provisionals, which give us that guaranteed start, not only for this year, but into Daytona next year. So finishers haven't been where we want, but we haven't spent any money to be better in our positions. We've been spending our money to build inventory to go into next year. And we're talking to DJ Cobb here, owner of the number 83 NASCAR Camper World Truck Series team here on Talking in Circles. Um, what is your long-term plans for this team? Obviously, you know, for people who don't know your history, and maybe you can go into it a little bit. I know you're on in the pits for a while, um, and now you started up a truck series team here. Uh, but what are your long-term plans for this team when you look at the future five, ten years down the road? What are your plans? Yeah, so racing's always been in my blood. I, I grew up a dirt track racer in upstate New York, driving myself, and then I uh, moved down here, became a pit crew member, changed tires for about 17 years with uh, you know some of the bigger names. I was fortunate to be halfway decent at it and um, work with Dale, C uh, Dale Jr. in the Bud days and Matt Kenseth and uh, was a part of Carl Edwards' first win in Atlanta um, as a front tire changer. From there, it kind of parlayed into a deal with ESPN for about five years as I continued to change tires. Um, so racing's in my blood, and, and when I took a couple years away from tire changing, I knew I needed to get back in, and this opportunity came up, and, and I was like, you know, you have to have a long-term goal like you were just referencing, and, and I didn't really have that, but I, I did know that I didn't want to look back and say, what if? What if I would have given it a try five or ten years from now? And... Uh, I was like, you know what, let's try it. So so my wife, Amanda, and I, we, we said, let's do it, and, and we jumped in. And and throughout the year, as I was explaining before, you know, our, our plans have changed and our goals and what we do have changed. But from a long-term perspective, you know, in working with NASCAR, we, we, we've got an idea of some of these rules that are going to be coming down the pipeline. We've seen it with the composite bodies and the Xfinity and, and with those, the rumors about the spec engine and things of that nature. Those are all things that are going to help close that gap on the technology side of it. And, um, 
you know, and I think we can be a lot more competitive. So right now we plan on racing for the B class and trying to win the B class. I think next year, I think we want to try to move into that A class of teams and, and see what we can do. But five years from now, I want to, I want to try to be into the Xfinity series. Now, DJ, um, you've had a lot of different drivers this year with a lot of different sponsorship financially. Has this been what you expected when you dove in? I mean, you talked about red horse racing earlier and we see the news about Brad Keselowski a couple of weeks ago shutting his truck series team down. Uh, that, you know, there's stories about finances being really tough right now in the Cup Series, even even in the Cup Series. How is it this year for you? Was it is it what you expected when you came in? It, it kind of was, right? And I think um, I think my knowledge of growing up in the sport, being a fabricator and helping to build the cars. And then uh, being around it as the crew member helped me learn a lot of the other aspects to it, right? And, and see working with different teams and, and being able to see the good and the bad things that teams were doing. It all comes down to expectations. And I think when you talk about Brad Keselowski and Red Horse specifically, those guys are top of the line in everything they do. In order to do that, it costs money. For me, I want to be there. I'm aspiring to be there but my expectations have to be realistic. I'm not Brad Keselowski. So, um, you know, I tailored those expectations, and, and I don't have an engineer. I, I have one part-time employee, and I work till midnight, 1 o'clock a lot of nights, and, and, and we just do the best we can. We contract labor when we need, and, and that's what we do because our expectations right now are to win the B class, and taking that type of approach allows us to do that. If we go into the A class, it's going to take a lot more money. And before you can get that extra money, you got to make sure you can provide an ROI for whatever the sponsor's needs are. If they're looking for impressions, if they're looking for um, conversions, B2B, what is their overall goal? And, and until you can create a, a platform that's going to provide from a sponsor, you're not going to get those sponsorship monies. So in conclusion, you know what you're saying, you know the money things is very difficult but you have to have expectations, realistic ones. The other part of it too is actually the hardest thing has been the people, finding people that are capable of doing what you need done. And um, when you contract labor people, it's, it's just a one and done job in a lot of cases. So it's hard to find people that are going to do that quality piece of work. So the money thing makes it what it is. If you got 10 bucks, you spend 10 bucks. If you got 10 grand, you spend 10 grand. It's the people. The money dictates itself. It's the people that have been the hardest challenge for me so far this year. And can you dive into that a little bit? I mean, I, I always tell people, hey, you know, you got to think about it this way. I mean, Hendrick Motorsports can outpay people. Um, you know, there might be guys on that team who, uh, you know, who deserve to be a crew chief, but they're not going to make as much money running, you know, working for Front Row Motorsports. And same thing goes for the truck series. Maybe a team like Thorsport can outpay people more than what you can because of just how what the finances are behind it. Uh, is that realistic as far as, you know, a lot of the guys who have been in this sport a long time who have, who have extensive knowledge are kind of gobbled up by the bigger teams here? Absolutely correct because, um, you know, I, I live by this motto too, to be a better person, surround yourself with better people. And that's the way it is in the industry, whether it be NFL, baseball, any any type of athletics. It's probably beyond athletics, but uh, um, I'm more familiar with that that type of program, right? But um, e even if you've got a Chad Canals, guess what? Hendrick is developing people for the backup plan when he's gone. 
And then there's people that are going to be there to support it. They don't necessarily know who that's going to be, but they got five people sitting back that they can choose from. Now I'm just throwing numbers out, right? They probably have five people sitting back there that could take Chad Knauss's, uh, uh role when he chooses to step away, but they don't know which one. So they're working on developing him. Could he come to, uh, like you mentioned, a front row or Tommy Baldwin or somebody like that and be a crew chief and help their program? Absolutely. But their development pay probably is, I don't know, I don't want to say how much, I don't know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's uh, more than what the crew chief pay at the other level would be. Um, so you're exactly right. The, the depth chart at these bigger teams is, is pretty deep. And you mentioned earlier crate engines. Uh, there's been a lot of um, speculation about that for next season. And uh, I, I'm kind of have mixed feelings about it. You know, I like the fact that we can have certain teams build their own certain engines, but at the same time, it's gotten so crazy now because of the fact that one team sort of controls it all or Toyota TRD, for example, for the Toyota teams, you know, they, these smaller team Toyota teams have to pay TRD to use their engines. Um, and a spec engine would sort of give them competition. Uh, what are your thoughts about the spec engines? Would it help your team? And can you dive into the, you don't have to give us exact numbers, but the finances, as far as, do you have any idea how much money that might save you next season if they do go to spec engines? Yeah. So, um, so it's a touchy subject, right? You know, when I wake up on the right side of the bed, I'm all for it. When I wake up on the left side, I'm like, I don't know. Um, do Me I too. Like the idea of having having the same engine as uh, a Kyle Busch or somebody else that's competing in the series, absolutely. But, you know, I touched on it before, expectations. You know what? If I got the same engine, that doesn't put me in the A class. That doesn't make me competitive with the guys that are winning races every week like Thor Sport and GMS um, because I'm behind on the wind tunnel as well. You know, right now, if, if, there, if there's 10 elements and we grade each one of those elements from 1 to 10, um, I'm probably a 5 across the board. If I'm allowed to take and, and make the engine program a 10 and everything else is 5, I'm still a 5. So it doesn't help me unless it's a full package deal where I'm able to step up and, and enhance the aerodynamics, enhance the engineering side of it, upgrade my chassis, you know, go from, you know, 10-year-old chassis to, to three- to four-year-old chassis. Um, having the personnel that's going to be able to put these things together um, to the best of their ability, the dynoing and everything of that nature, right? So from that perspective, um, it's, it's, it's not really beneficial for somebody like me if I'm looking at it from a performance standpoint um, right now. It can be, but not right now until I can build up the other elements of the team. The, the piece, if I was to just take the cost into consideration, we got to work on that quite a bit. Um, it, it's, it's off. I like the concept. I think it's the right step in the right direction, but I'll be very honest with you. Mark Smith, who uh, recently passed away, owner mm -hmm. of TriStar Motorsports and Pro Motor Engines, they do my stuff. And the cost for me to go racing with these guys is fits in my, it fits in my budget. It allows me to go win the B class when I put together my A effort. My A effort's different than Thor Sports. But I'm a little bit My A effort allows me 15th place as a win. And and that's what they do. And, and the cost is probably 70% less than these big engine programs. And, and it works for me. To be able to get rid of the inventory I have, 
reinvest into another program. I'm looking at probably three years before I start to see a return on that. And with the validity or the, the, the uncertainty is what the word I should say of, of where this series is, where sponsorship is and all of that. I can't make a long-term investment. I need to make an investment that I'm going to be able to get my money back out of within the next few races. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's an interesting subject. I'm, I love that you're able to discuss it with us. Another one that I have for you, and I'm dying to know your opinion on this because uh, you said you work with the bigger cup teams. Obviously we know that uh, you had JJ Yaley, who's a pretty recognizable name in your truck a few times this year. How do you feel about cup drivers in the truck series? Do you think it's okay to limit them? Do you think they, it should be a free-for-all? Uh, you know, in my opinion, what Kyle Busch gets for a sponsorship when he's in a truck is a lot different than any other team in a truck series. Uh, but what's your opinions on that? You know, I think I think we need them. You know, I'll be honest with you. I think I think they're um, – let's think about it this way. Kyle Busch, you referenced him, right? And, and I'm not saying anything good or bad about him right here. But, um, you know, he is – a guy that that's either you either love him or you hate him typically is his fan base. And regardless of what side of the fence you're on, you're watching Kyle Busch. You're making it excited because people are rooting for him to win another race or people have the field hoping that they're going to beat him. But the focal is still around Kyle Busch. And, and it's like that with Brad Keselowski and some of the other guys. So it brings another element of intrigue into a sport that is not getting all the high profile exposure like cup and then second tier Xfinity and then down to the trucks. Um, so I think from that perspective, we need them again. If you look at the performance standpoint of it, yeah, man, you want some extra, some opportunities for other people to win some races. So I'm more in line with limiting, um, but definitely don't want to get rid of these guys because you know, the David and Goliath story is always a good story. And, and I think from a competitor standpoint, when you can go out there and run toe to toe with these guys, um, even if you get beat, you come home with your head held up high and you're like, man, you know, a cup champion, you know, because Brad and, and um, well, Brad hasn't run a truck in a while, but, you know, you look at these guys that, that have proven themselves in the cup series and you can come out of there and, and say that you competed. There's a, there's a lot to be said for that. Now, also there's, you know, we talk about the Xfinity series this weekend, or excuse me, at Richmond next weekend, they're going to debut the composite body. Uh, something that is, Again, it, uh, it, like the spec engine, it's something that I'm on the fence about. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, maybe it'll bring costs down for these owners when, like yourself, who uh, I think the costs are way, way too high. But I don't like the fact that everybody's going to be running the same equipment. Uh, what about the composite body for your trucks, for the truck series? Do you think it would help costs and help the racing? Uh, I know it's kind of like spec engines, but what are your thoughts on composite bodies? Um. You know, so this is relatively new, right? I, I saw the first one um, a couple of weeks ago for the Xfinity teams. And, um, you know, it's it's very regulated as far as how it gets mounted on the on the body. And you're spot on. You know, it's trying to take some of the, the element of being different from one another out of it. But at the same time, you got to look at it as a business. There, there's racing and, and there's a business. And then how you put those together, I think, is the key. Um, and it will help define success. But um, these things are they, – they're, they're, you can bolt them together. They give you mandated areas of where to mount them. So from an aerodynamic standpoint, the, the opportunity to be able to have something different from the other is kind of nice. Um, it saves me the cost on engineering and wind tunnel and some of that stuff. And then just strictly from a fabrication standpoint, I mean, if I can just unbolt the fender and bolt it back on, 
that's nice. Um, the bummer part of it is, is there's a lot of good fabricators that, that may not be needed in this type of industry anymore. Um, and, and that's a tough part of it. You know, this is a craftsman's trade and you like to see that kind of work and then continue on. So I'm kind of mixed on it, right? But I think if you look at it from a business standpoint, I think it's got a lot of opportunity. It's going to depend on the next series or, or um, you know, wave of rules that, that NASCAR implements. But we got to see what that is before we can really see if it's going to be beneficial. But I am optimistic it'll work out from a business standpoint. But I do agree that it takes away from the craftsman's uh, input into these vehicles a little also. Just a couple more here, if you don't mind. Um, how about the manufacturer's aspect of this, as far as spec engines and composite bodies? I mean, Toyota d- donates or donates. T- Toyota p- puts a lot of money into Kyle Busch Motorsports, and they reap the benefits from that because of you know the, the fact that they have uh, you know they sell, can sell trucks. They believe ultimately that's what it comes down to. If you have a composite body where all the bodies look the same, uh, aside from really stickers and com- create engines where everybody's sort of the same and Toyota loses money to the engine department, which they make a lot of money on. Do you think that the manufacturer would stop supporting the truck series? And if that's the case, do you think that would hurt the truck series? You know, that, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to get to a point where, you know, I've got caught the eye of a manufacturer, right? Um, so I'm purely speculating. Um, you know, a lot of these manufacturers like to utilize the tractor street messaging um, from a durability to um, horsepower to performance and, and you know you name it it depends on what the marketing spin is and they try to take that track the street message out there um, I, I don't think they would be pleased right mm-hmm. um, but at the same time this is an element I'm not really familiar with right these type of questions I would ask to try to find out if the decisions being made are the right ones. Um, what is the longevity of the truck series? What is the marketing campaign that they're putting behind? What is the engineering? How much cost is is the truck series? Uh, what is the truck series costing somebody like Toyota to support Kyle Busch? Is it just a piece that's an add-on to what they do for the Xfinity and Cup series? And that it's just flat? You know, so so there may be a very well there very well could be an opportunity where the investments that manufacturers are putting into the truck series are only because they have to. Um, it's part of the bigger piece of the pie. So uh, removing the truck series from manufacturer support, it's it's debatable. It's, it's it could go either way depending on who wants what, but it's probably right down the middle. Um, some manufacturers probably don't like it and. and some manufacturers probably like it because it allows them to focus on what their true goals are. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Ford, with Kozlowski shutting down, Ford's not going to have too many teams next year. And you have to wonder if that was kind of a plan for Ford or they didn't really expect Brad to shut that team down. Um, you know, a lot of people point to the fact about Monster Energy in the Cup Series. And this can be a tough question for you, I think, to answer. Um you know, that the fact that they didn't get NASCAR didn't get exactly what they wanted as far as the finance from the financial standpoint from Monster Energy. And there's been a trickle down effect from that in the Cup Series. Has there been a trickle down effect, you think, from that in the in the truck series as far as um, has sponsorship kind of gone down a little bit this year, the cost of it, because of the fact that 
you know, Monster Energy is paying a significantly less amount than Sprint was? You know, I don't think I've seen a whole lot of difference from, you know, a, a series sponsor versus the team sponsor, right? Um, you know, we've kind of touched on it on different, you know, times throughout this conversation with different questions and answers, but, it, you know, the expectations thing keeps coming back up, right? So you look at what your overall cost is based on your expectation, and then you go to the sponsor and say, hey, I need X. Well, that's X could be just a break-even. X isn't, you know, the, the break-even mark isn't necessarily where you want to be. You want to make money, right? So you ask for more, and then it's how, like, how much more? And and that's where it gets really, really tricky because you've got a cost for X to, to go over everything that you need to, to meet your expectations, but does that align with the marketing side of what the sponsor is looking for? And, you know, Monster's in, uh, input financially may be a lot less, but they're also trying a new market. You know, I think they were very smart in the fact that they, they did a two-year deal with some options for more so they can understand if it's really going to work for them. And it's going to hold NASCAR accountable to be able to deliver on the metrics and what Monster is looking for. Um, those are the kind of programs that I think sponsors need to do more of, whether it be with a team or the sanctioning body, is to say, hey, listen, we're going to give you X, which is essentially the opportunity to prove yourself that you're going to give us a return on our investment. Um, and if you don't, we have an opportunity to exercise a right to get out of it. And then the term I love to use is accountability. So that pretty much is a forceful way to hold others accountable to make sure the investment, whoever it is, is giving to the motorsports community is going to get two, three times whatever that investment is because they don't want to be flat either. They want to make sure they're building and growing their businesses. Yeah, I, I understand that for sure. Camden uh, Murphy's in your truck this weekend up there in Canada. Uh, can you give us a, a future for you as far as you know, who's driving your trucks and uh, what you expect here in the coming weeks? Yeah, so so we touched on a little bit about goals and, and how we look at the season and so forth, and we weathered the storms pretty well, I think. Um, you know, I think I, I've shared where we want 15 places a win, and we'll take that type of effort into um, Canada this weekend and Chicago. Cam's going to drive the next two weeks for us. And um, one of the goals I've always had is to provide opportunities to people. So when I started this program, I – Having grown up in the industry and working in the shops and so forth, I've seen older people come into this sport and, and, and get moved out by younger people. It's happened to me on pit crew, and I've done it to people in, in other areas, you know. So it's just the way this industry works, a lot of industries. And I wanted to hire individuals that still had talent that wanted to be involved in the sport. And the, and the flip side of that, too, is I also wanted the young individuals that I would be able to provide opportunities to that typically might not have that opportunity. And Cam has been going to the races with us every single race this year, whether he's driving uh, in some way, shape, or form, or doing tires, or whatever it might be. And he never complains, and he works his butt off. I was with him at the shop last night till, till almost midnight, and I left early, being midnight being early, and he was still there. He's a guy that wants it, and he busted his butt, and, and he really went after it. And this is what we're doing as, a, as kind of a make good. Um, he showed me that he wanted, he wants to pay his dues. I'm a little old school, you know, in that respect, you to pay your dues, show me you want it. And we're going to give him a chance out here. He, he does have some road course background and, and we'll see what we can do. Now, with that being said, we got to cut back on some costs because Canada is tough to get across the border. 
Um, but then when we go to Chicago, we're going to put together the same type of effort and see what we can do and then hopefully come out of there with, you know, 15th place. So, you know, when you see us like at J.J. Yaley, we finished 19th at Bristol. We, we missed the setup a little bit. I mean, that's still a top five in our books. But uh, in regards to Cam, you know, we, we haven't been able to race as much as we wanted to. We're going to run the next two races. Um, the season is starting to fill out pretty nicely. Um, I think we're going to have Mike Seneca back, who's raced for us in the previously. Uh, JJ's going to do some more races. Uh, it's exciting. I got, I'm working on some stuff for Talladega, Martinsville with a young driver who's never ran uh, uh, in NASCAR before. He's got a, a good group of people that's coming on board. Uh, Loudon, I'm really excited about. You know, we're going to give a, hopefully somebody from the Wheel and Modified Tour an opportunity to get involved. So I guess my long-winded answer is, is, is there's people that are, are getting run out of the sport, and I want to try to hang on to those guys. And I also want to help develop young talent that's coming in. Um, it's just got to make sure the timing's right. But we got nine races left in the season, and I think we're going to have all those pretty much filled out where we'll be able to put together an effort where 15th place is a win for us. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear that you're doing that for Camden Murphy. Uh, it's kind of old. And, you know, one last – go ahead. Hey, real quick, not to, I apologize for jumping in there. So I don't know if anybody go knows ahead. Cam Murphy, but if you get a chance, go over there and give him a, a like on his page. My, our page is as well with Cop Motor Shorts. But, but Cam Murphy is one of the good guys. You know, and, and, and not just outside of motorsports, this is society that is, seems to be dwindling of the good guys. He's 20 years old, a very respectable, well-spoken, just hardworking guy. Um, and he's getting this opportunity because of who he is. And um, he's also a driver in the Monster Truck Series. He tries the Pirates curse. And whether there's a, a, a future for him in NASCAR or uh, Monster Trucks, it doesn't matter to me. He's just somebody that deserves success. And, um, you know, your support to him uh, would help him have that success. So uh, many people that are, might be listening may not know me, may not know Cam, and, and probably taking my words for whatever it is. But what I would encourage you to do is follow both of our pages, and um, you'll find that, that I'm a family person, and you'll find that Cam is, a, is a everything that I just got done explaining as well. So let's help uh, somebody, one of the good guys be successful with whatever comes his way. That's awesome. I'll tell you, it's really cool to hear that. Uh, one last one. You know, it seems like you guys have a little bit of an association with the Mittler brothers, uh, one of the original truck series teams. Um, is that what you kind of strive to be as far as, you know, I think a lot of people look at them as, as very respectful because they've been in the truck series for so long and the longevity is amazing to watch. Uh, what's your kind of relationship with the Mittler brothers? A great one. You know, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, Mike Mittler and I, um, we bid over tires used tires from teams that missed the races and, and kind of had uh, had our moments where we're like, oh, you, you undercut me or, you know, something along those lines. But at the end of the day, we've always been very open and honest with each other. And, and in this sport, there's a lot of people that owe people money. And uh, I don't owe anybody any money. And Mike Miller doesn't owe anybody any money. And we're very forward and honest with each other. And when we have a disagreement, we bring it up and we work through it. And, um, and we support each other, too, when one of us is down. So he, he is a guy that, um, you know, I don't want to say I want to be like him by any means, but, but from uh, the side of how much respect he has in the garage, I hope to earn that at some point. Um, Mike Mittler is a veteran of this industry, giving a lot of guys uh, their opportunity in this sport as drivers. And if I can do that, that that's, that's awesome. Um, but our relationship is uh, one that's evolved into a great friendship as well. That's awesome. And, and I thank you so much, DJ, for coming on tonight, giving us a little insight into your truck series team. Um, what about your sponsors next week? 
Uh, what's your sponsors here for, for Camden Murphy, Murphy next week? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. So uh, we're, when we go to Canada, we're, we're footing this bill out of our pocket. So, you know, we are taking a different approach. Uh, different than I think anybody's ever seen it before. And um, I think it'll be hard for people to follow along with what we're actually doing if you watch the race. Um, but uh, but it's going to be one that's different. And, and I don't want to tee it up too much right now because, uh, you know, I don't know how it'll be viewed upon. But uh, we're going to go, and I think we can finish, uh, you know, 15th. I think we can win our class. I think we could do a good job and, and also limit our costs considerably. Um, now, when we go to Chicago, we do have a cool program, and, and I would really encourage um, everybody to, to continue to follow along because not only is it a, an opportunity for um, us to have some branding on a vehicle, the bigger opportunity is the, is the, the foundation behind it that's helping. Um, and, and I don't want to go too much more into it there, but we're still working on some of the final details. But it's going to be one of those deals where it's, um, it's the right thing to do. And, um, and, and I think when you do the right thing, good things come. So, so that's what we have going there, but, you know, we do have some great partners that we've had all year. They've been on our trucks all year. We work with them. Um, I got to give a shout out to uh, nano pro MT. Um, and again, these names that I'm referencing, I, I fully encourage you guys just to Google them and check them out and look them up. Nano pro MT, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lubricating company and they are going to change the oil industry. I can just tell you, they are going to change it. Um, great people to work with over there. Um, you know, Bell Plantation with TB2, that's with Mike uh, Seneca. Um, you know, we're going to do some more things with those guys in the near future, so I'm excited about that. Um, uh, freight auctions. You know, they were on the vehicle at Eldora in Kentucky with JJ. Those guys are awesome. Marcus and, and the guys at Freight Auctions, uh, I really appreciate everything they do. And then the, the brand that we just had on the vehicle at uh, Bristol is uh, Q Vapor. So, you know, most of these brands that we just I just referenced are, are brands that aren't household names, and they're not brands that you've seen in NASCAR for a long time. But I think that's a different mindset in how we go to market for um, those that want to utilize motorsports. We're able to bring some fresh names in, and those are some great organizations. And, and again, look them up, not because, you know, I want the opportunity to do business with them and show their value in this sport and participating in this sport, Look those people up and those companies because they're value companies. They're, they are people that um, have morals, they have integrity, and going back to what I was saying before, to be a better person, I need to surround myself with better people, and that's across the board from drivers to sponsors, you name it, and, and we've got some great sponsors that fall under that category. Well, I thank you so much, DJ, for coming on the show tonight. We'll have to do it again sometime. I appreciate it. Let's get back to work. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Uh, thank you, DJ Cop from Cop Motorsports there on Talking in Circles tonight. Uh, interesting aspects to give us, give us some interesting information as far as the deep dive into the truck series, as far as the finances go, um, how it feels to be a, an owner with a team that is just starting out, a small organization, but uh, you know, a guy who obviously loves racing. You have to love it here if you want to be in NASCAR as a truck series team, as DJ Cop is. 917-889-8280. Join the conversation. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is uh, Jeremy Bach out of Raleigh, North Carolina. What do you want to talk about tonight, Jeremy? Hey, yeah, I just uh, had an interesting thing. You guys mentioned the uh, Camping World Truck Series and kind of the state of the series and the health of it. 
And it's really interesting because I am um, a front row motorsports fan, and, you know, we do have Camping World as our sponsor, but I've always followed the, I guess, co-owner, owner Marcus Lemonis for years, and um, some controversial things came up with him and Mark Martin and um, the racer Mark Martin uh, about Camping World, and it's uh, kind of the news is getting out that they've been struggling on sales and stuff like that for a while now, and they've had to liquidate some things and with Gander Mountain and some Overtons and everything else that got involved now. I don't know the exact details, but um, to me, it is it is going to be interesting to kind of see um, how Camping World's doing because, you know, I, I think that, that the truck series to me is it's kind of struggling and it, uh, you know, the whole race on Sunday, sell on Monday, you know, to me, that's kind of went really away. And, you know, you go to the truck series races and, you know, there's not, there's never been a whole, whole lot of fans compared to the cup series, but it seems like the fans aren't there. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how long camping world's going to hang in there. And if they're actually really, if this is a, a beneficial partnership with your truck series, um, and I didn't know if anyone had any insight on that. That owner, what he just talked about was really amazing. And uh, mm-hmm. I really liked what he, he had to say. That was some really good insight that I'd never even thought about. Um, yeah, no. But. Well, it's interesting. I think the truck series is in a very interesting place right now. Um, you know, there are so many things where it's hard to predict. Obviously, we talked about crate engines and composite bodies with DJ before. And, you know, yeah. he's kind of on the same same way as I am where – we're kind of on the fence. You know, we want to, we want to see these owners, you know, be, we want to see more new owners come to this sport and be, be successful. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want to take the ingenuity out of everything, which right, is what composite right. bodies and crate engines do. Um, so we're in a very interesting spot. I think the truck series would be beneficial if they ran more non-companion events, if they did have a premier event at like a track, uh, like the national fairgrounds, which is getting a lot of attention right now. Um, yeah, I think it would be awesome yeah. to see him go there. So the truck series to me, I don't think it's dead. I think I even personally believe manufacturers leaving the series might even be, might even be beneficial. You know, they weren't really a part of the truck uh, series five, six, five, six years ago, you know? Well, it's changed too. I mean, it's something different. I mean, I think from a fan spot, unless you are a Kyle Busch fan or Brad Keselowski fan or whoever, you know, me as a, as a diehard NASCAR fan from a long time ago, I, I get tired of watching those guys around. Like, I get the whole point and the whole aspect of it. I, I understand. I'll try to see everything from both sides. But something needs to change, and there needs to be a little bit of change up to, I think, kind of keep things going and keep it fresh. People have short attention spans nowadays anyways. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really hoping that it that it does uh, go around because, I mean, you know, you do need the, the minor league series to make it up to the big series. And, Absolutely. Um, it needs to – but it needs to be – you know, done right. And I think when NASCAR is getting to a new era of so much more give and take and compromising than it used to be, um, you know, the, the race on, like I said, race on Sunday, sell Monday. Well, if you remember in the eighties, <laughs> you had the IROC series and a player's challenge series. Well, the IROC mm-hmm. series was, it was made because they, people saw IROCs and they said, damn it. I want to buy one. <laughs> they made a car just so, you know, because people loved it. And they watched mm-hmm. it, you know. And, and nowadays, I, I, you don't see that, man. I don't think you do. I mean, maybe well, I'm just not, you know, involved in it that much. But I'll say this. I mean, I'm an old school fan. 
you're an old school fan. I have a fiance who's an old school fan. She buys Chevrolet just because of Dale Jr. God bless her. Now, yes, <laughs> yeah. I agree. I and I buy Ford because I grew up a Bill Elliott fan. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, are the uh, young? I'm, you know, it's a completely different era than what we grew up in. You know, yeah. the '90s had a lot of '90s had a lot of fans in the sport that grew up in the '70s and the '80s, where cars were a yeah. big deal. Now cars aren't yeah. that big of a deal to the young kids. You know, muscle cars certainly are, but you know, a Ford Focus isn't a big, a Ford Fusion isn't a big deal to some kids. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and with the technology behind it and computers, it's completely changed everything. So I think it's had a lot to do with it on and off the racetrack. Um, but listen, I it's a tough spot personally to get back to Cup Series guys in the lower series, I think in Xfinity, it's just too much. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch won 25% of all Xfinity series races in the last 10 years. That's 25% oh, yeah. of all, every race that was running the Xfinity series, Kyle Busch won. And yeah. you could say, well, oh, he deserves it. Well, if somebody won, now, if you translate that to cup, if somebody won 25% of the cup races in the last 10 years, that would be 90 wins. That's as ma- yeah. almost as many wins as Jeff Gordon had in his entire career in a decade. They would ki- they would amazing. break Richard Petty's at that pace. He would break Richard Petty's record in like 23 years. So when you right. look at that, you yeah. know, that is too much. Something has to change. And I think it's the fact that these Xfinity cars are so- built so much like these Cup Series cars now. Uh, they even have bump stops now, which is what they didn't have two or three years ago. So the cup team right. and these cup engineers and these cup drivers who come down with their notes and their info come down and they destroy these Xfinity series teams. And that to me is where it gets a little, it gets a little hard to watch. Mile and a half are hard to watch to begin with. I think if we move the more short tracks, move the more <laughs> yeah. unique race, more, yeah. move the more unique oh, race I know. tracks in a yeah. series, our Xfinity series, I think it'd be great. I really do. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I don't know what we have and what you still have time for, but uh, can you touch on how you think the effects of McDowell, if he does come to FRM, what that's going to do for that team and how more beneficial or do you think it's going to be about the same as it is now or what What do you think kind of like your your personal opinion on it? I mean, I have my opinion, but. Uh, yeah, listen, I don't know what Front Row Motorsports' deal is, whether they're going to go three teams. I, here's my thing about Landon Castle, and that's who it sounds like, and that's who it sounds like is going to lose it if 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 what Jayski's reporting is true, uh, not reporting, but what Jayski says is a rumor, and that turns out to be true. Um, if Landon Castle's out of the 34, I do feel bad for him because he had a really nice year in the 38 car last year. Yeah, and I don't absolutely. like a driver's career and a driver's a career to come down to one season. It's been a tough year for that 34 car this year. There's been no doubt about that. A lot of it's been bad luck. Some of it's been, you know, that them shooting themselves in the foot with some tough strategy there. They made a crew chief change, so you know they're not thrilled with how that car yeah. has been running. Now, yeah. maybe this – and they made a crew chief change, and it was interesting because Donnie Wingo was Landon Castle's guy. And now Donnie Wingo is sort of still in the organization. You have to wonder if they maybe moved him to start to build the third team and build the cars and start focusing on that third team for 2018 where Castle's going to be and make it a smooth transition to Landon Castle in that third car, whether it's the number 35, which is probably what it's going to be, and then move McDowell into the 34. Now, as far as performance goes, I think McDowell's a pretty good driver. He's very, very aggressive. He rubs people the wrong way. Um, yeah. And I feel bad for him. I think this deal for Levine family is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I think this deal for yeah. Levine family – doesn't happen without Casey Kane being in the driver's seat. 
And so he, you know, Bob Levine's in a tough spot. You know, you got an opportunity where he wanted, all he wanted to be as a car owner is to be a team that could win races and compete for championships. He might have that opportunity to go into Hendrick Motorsports and combining with Casey King. He won't have that opportunity where he is right now with Michael McDowell. And it's unfortunate right. because McDowell, deserved, he's been there. He's, he's taken his lumps, like I said. He deserves to have a shot at it, but he's not going to get it. You know, it's the same way with Casey Mears. Casey Mears earlier this year lost his ride at the Geico team because Jermaine Racing decided to have a little bit more of an affiliation with Richard Childress Racing and Ty Dillon. So yeah, it's, a and, little, it's sort of the same deal. Yeah, and to what the, the the other you know truck owner said, I mean, it's, I mean, I you know I don't want to say someone was selling out, but you know, really, if you think about it, it it's kind of a sellout thing. I mean, you got a guy like Tim McDowell, and he's busting his butt for you. You know, he doesn't bring exactly all the sponsors, but I think he brings K Love and everything else like that. And you know, it it is a shame that the the sport has kind of gotten to. You know, it is what it is. Um, and personally with Kane, I mean, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't think Kane is ever going to win championship, in my opinion. I could be totally wrong. You know, I think he's kind of – that point of his career has kind of came and gone. You know, he's had time on his son. But, um, you know, we'll see how it works out for Levine. And, you know, it, it kind of almost smells like that – I don't want to say that, but with the MWR thing to where, you know, when you build slow – you can kind of grow slow and kind of control the pace of things. But when you go fast and things don't work out, you know, you're kind of left with nothing, you know, like, yeah. you know, Bob Jenkins, he's, he, to me, I think, I don't think that company probably has too much debt. In my opinion, I don't know. I feel like, you know, Jenkins, he, he's got it to where, yeah, they might not be the best, but he owns his stuff. And if he has to get out of it, you know, it's not going to be the the biggest loss in the world for anybody. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, you know, and, so. and the thing I admire about Bob Jenkins is and he does it a little bit differently than all the other owners. I mean, like I said, when you look at Bob Levine and you look at Barney Visser, who is a who uh, is a single car operation and a guy who uh, was a team that, you know, they built themselves up through the last decade. Bob Levine and now and Barney Visser have a little bit of a different view on it than Bob Jenkins. Bob Jenkins wants to build his own chassis. He feels the only way, and it's sort of what Stuart Haas Racing has done this year, the only way to be a powerhouse race team is to build your own chassis and lease them out to everybody else. Um, yes, yeah. And that's a, that's a, that is a very interesting um, thought. It's a very an admirable goal, but it's a, lo- it's a long, hard process. And if he's willing, <laughs> yeah, to, put, if, if he's willing to put up with what happens with them, I mean, he could easily – so, you know what, we're going to align with, with Stuart Haas Racing or align with a Chevrolet yeah. team or align with a Toyota team and probably be in pretty good shape, even if he's a one- or two-car operation, and run much better than he does currently. But he is in well, where he wants to build that team the way he wants to build it, and I admire him for that. I really do. Do you think he's – and this is my interesting question. Do you think he's pretty far away still from having, let's say, a new startup team come in, for example, like BK Racing? You know, they came in, you know, tomorrow. Would he still, do you think, not have good enough chassis to be able to really sell it to those teams to where they would want those? Or do you think he's getting kind of close to there to where he can say, hey, this chassis is pretty good Bristol. You know, I'll sell it to you for whatever. Well, what I mean by selling chassis is as far as building them for other organizations. Like you see with, with, with Richard Childress Racing, for example, they build their chassis 
for Jermaine Racing. They build their chassis for the 47 team and the 37 team at, J- at JTD Daughter Racing. Um, right. So they build them and lease out their engines, and they have a, a very tight relationship. Um, you know, Bob Jenkins doesn't get his chassis from anybody. Neither is Stuart Haas Racing now. They used to get it from Hendrick, but now they build their own. They hang their own bodies. You know, it's a, yeah. and it's a team like Richard Petty Motorsports, they're going a different way. They're going to probably align with another organization next year. That's the rumor. But yeah. they try, They were aligned with a team with Roush. Then they backed off and wanted to hang their own bodies. And now they're going back to being aligned because they think building your own bodies is a very tall task. Um, yeah. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, um, I think Bob Jenkins is an interesting – he's a younger guy. I'm not sure his age, but he doesn't look that old. Um, yeah, he's not that old. You're, you're going to get to an opportunity where, you know, Rick Hendrick is, you know, my co-host John Harlow, who uh, couldn't be with us tonight, and, I, and we miss him dearly. He's great. He's a great co-host. But he talks about this all the time. And he says, listen, you know, Rick Hendrick's 70-something years old. Roger Penske's 80. Jack Roush is, is in his 70s. Joe Gibbs yeah. is in his 80s. Richard Childress is in his 70s. These guys – have a lot more years behind them than they have ahead of them. And there's going to come a time where, you know, they're the ones that make the decisions. If, if, you know, what's Hendrick Motorsports without Rick Hendrick, who knows, you yeah. know, and what's yeah, Richard exactly. Childress racing without Richard. Yeah. Childress? No, no, those so, are great points. Yeah. Those are awesome points. Yeah. It's a, a change in the guard. Yeah. Right. And is Bob, Bob Jenkins able to survive through that uh, with all the notes he's going to have and all the teams. And we talked about it before too. Here's another problem with Bob Jenkins. And it's not anything – I think he does a great job. I'm not trying to knock him at all, and I don't think it's an actual problem with him. It's just a problem he has. Um, you know, and DJ Cop talked about it. You know, with these big-time teams, for example, look at Ron Malik. He is Chad Knauss' right-hand man at that 48 team. He's the guy right. who Chad Knauss leans on. And Chad Knauss is going to sit there and say, hey, Ron Malik's not going anywhere. I think he is going to be the guy to – uh, succeed Jack, uh, Chad Canals whenever Chad Canals wants to retire, which I think is going to be very shortly within the next two or three years. But yeah. Ron Malik could be a crew chief. He would have been you – know, 10 years ago, Ron Malik's a crew chief somewhere already, um, and he's winning races already. You know, these guys, you know, for front row motorsports, you, you kind of get these guys that have, have either, you know, fallen off he got, got into a tough situation with like a Michael Walter pricing situation. You know, Derek Finley was a, was a, was a front office guy. He's a crew chief for Reagan was a front office guy at Michael Walter pricing for a little while. And, you know, he's worked his way up through the ranks of front row motorsports to where he's a crew chief. He was the competition director there. Donnie Wingo's a veteran crew chief, Seth Barber, you know, look at Seth Barber, for example, they got their hands on him and put him in a crew chief role immediately because they knew he is a small, he's a smart guy with a lot of talent who was out of a job. When, when Bubba Wallace's Xfinity Series team shot down. And so they knew, hey, let's get some of his engineering background. Let's get some of his smarts in here and see if we can't run better and equip it to the whole organization. So, and, and same thing with drivers. You know, um, I, I like Landon Castle a lot, but he's never really been in a big ride. He had a shot at Hendrick early in his career. Rebounded yeah, and, I agree. But he, he's never had that big opportunity. Same thing with Michael McDowell. David Reagan had the opportunity at Roush, but it's a long time ago now. So when you bring those notes in, if you're a, a guy who's really, um, you know, smart with the race car, you know, look at Matt Kenseth. And, and I hate to say this, and I don't want to kill Bob Jenkins. Matt Kenseth's not going to run a front row motorsports. You know, he should no. not. No. You know, yeah. and neither is Kurt yeah. Busch, neither is Casey Kane. They're not going to go run a front row motorsports because they don't want to run 25th every week. 
And right. so that makes it very, very hard for a guy where if he could get his hands on Matt Kenseth, that would completely change his organization. You know, yeah. I say that, but then H. Scott got his hands on Clint Bora last year, but it was a different situation. Um, you know, so I, the way I look at it is it's just you, you got to weather the storm. It's a hard storm. It's, it's different than it was 10, 15 years ago because the big teams are, are absolutely – uh, have a stranglehold over the smaller teams in this in NASCAR yeah. right now. It's it, worse than it's ever been. Well, and you know, for me as a fan, I think it's reassuring because you know Bob kind of got into the sport around you know 2005 and six and seven and started really getting serious about it. I think if he was going to be gone by now and kind of give up, he I think he would have done it by now. Absolutely, think, absolutely. You know, and um, you know, I really you know think that uh, well, I really just hope it all works out for him and. Um, you know, I love your show, man, and I, I really – this is, like, the coolest show ever. <laughs> like, I hope one day it just explodes and gets to be – I mean, this is so cool. I mean, this is, like, real NASCAR talk. It's awesome. It is so well, cool. I, and um, I appreciate So, yeah, I but I enjoy talking to you, Clayton, and, and me and Ricky Clifton from the, the, the Facebook site. You you know, Ricky, we're going to go uh, yes. to the race together at Darlington. And, um, it's really cool because, you know, to meet on a fan site for FRM and David Reagan and meet in person – and hang out. It's just going to be so cool, just chit chatting and talk about your show, of course, and everything else. So we're we're excited about meeting each other, and that's what that's what's all about, you know. Is like 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 uh, the owner said, um, uh, uh, JB Cobb, I think is his name, but DJ like he Cobb, said, yeah. Uh, yeah, like he said, you know, it's it's the good guys getting together, and it's you know, it's being able to have you know uh, talks and stuff like that, and and with your fellow man. So so that'll be fun. But I really like the show, man. I love what you're doing. And uh, keep keep doing it, man. I, I listen. I I love that you call. It's, it's it's a lot of fun. You add a lot to the show, and uh, be sure to call in next week. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. We take care. And, uh, like good. Yeah, yeah we, we, we will. Yeah, we're camping out there for like three nights, so we'll have a good time. Wow. I, you, I, <laughs> yeah. I went there. I went there once. The fiance got me tickets when we first started dating. Gosh, yeah. eight years ago. What a what a magnificent racetrack. I mean, it wasn't. The Labor Day weekend, which I have to get to because Southern 500 on Labor Day weekend is uh, iconic. But oh, it's God, awesome, man! It, it's got to yeah. be so cool. I mean, I I love Darlington. I think uh, you know it, it levels the playing field. The drivers still go in, you know, still play a role in that yeah. racetrack. So yeah, and you know, honestly, I was really sad to see them drop it down to once a year. I mean, that yeah. just kind of blew well, my mind. You know. Well, let me say this: I think NASCAR. Back in 2004 and five, when they moved that race, they got a little greedy. Um, I hate this. I hate to say that, but I think it's true. I think they got they sat there and said, "Listen, our sport is taking off." And at that point, I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why there's a hundred thousand seats at racetracks because there put there was butts in them. You know, people were going to the races. Um, well, yeah. And at one point there was. Yeah. At one point there was ten years ago, and they got a little <laughs> yeah. greedy and they said, "Well, we can take what we had at Darlington and put it at California." And listen. Darlington can only hold 74,000 people. We can go to California Speedway and put 130,000 in the seats and we'll double yeah. our income. Well, it didn't work because California Speedway isn't the same racing as Darlington Raceway. And I think it really, I think Darlington, the Southern 500, that really hurt a lot of the Southerners. I think they're starting to come back now. The people in South Carolina, yeah. that really, that was really a gut shot to them because they sat there and said, you're taking our Daytona 500, our Super Bowl away from us. I mean, David Pearson, and, and Kelly Arbor, and I know they're both from South Carolina, but still, they talked about winning the Southern 500 was more important to them than winning the Daytona 500. And you could oh, understand that logic. Oh, yeah, it was a lot. big deal. Yeah. You could understand that logic because 
Starlings is a much more tougher racetrack currently than than Daytona and Talladega is. Um, so are, you can understand that, that logic for sure. Are there any uh, any other tracks that that NASCAR doesn't race at, or the Xfinity Series races at that the Cup doesn't that you think uh, should be implemented, or tracks that should be gone away with in the Cup Series? Well, I think Iowa is a track to always we always point at and we say, hey, it's a short track. Um, the Rock. It, it, it's a great <laughs> and listen and and listen. I I would it would be if I had if I won the two hundred sixty eight million dollars like the lady did up in Maine or Massachusetts last week, I would buy oh, I and recreate them. But honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it, we saw yeah. a second birth from New Ham- from North, North Wilkesboro. It didn't take off. We saw a second birth from Rockingham. I think a lot of things hurt Rockingham. It got the truck series date, which was awesome. But uh, I, th- I don't yeah. think it was the fact that people didn't show up. It was the fact that, you know, these sanctioning fees on these racetracks are a lot now. And when you are going against yeah. corporations, that's what you have to keep in mind here. There are two major corporations for these racetracks, ISC and SMI. Bruton Smith owns SMI. ISC is, owned by, is run by Lisa Francis Kennedy, Brian Francis' sister. And they right. are the, the two big-time uh, co- corporations. Nothing happens without those, those racetracks. Um, you know, we see dates move, but it's, it's only an equal move as far as ISC and SMI go. For example – New Hampshire, owned by SMI, uh, loses a date. Las Vegas, owned by SMI, gains a date. You know, so they don't lose any dates on the schedule, and that's what makes it really tough. You know, if if NASCAR says, "Hey, Bruton Smith, we want to take a date away from, uh, you know, uh, one of his racetracks," I, you know, let's I'm trying to think of a racetrack of his that that might need to be taken a date away from. Uh, but let's just hypothetically say, "Hey, we want to take a date away from Bristol." NASCAR posts this. To Bruton Smith. Bruton Smith's going to say, are you kidding me? I don't want it taken away from Bristol. Where are you going to give it right. to? He's going, well, we're going to give it to Iowa. Well, why are you going to give it to Iowa? That that just doesn't come from my for SMI. No way. I, yeah. Fine. You want to do that? Then we're not going to run Charlotte. We're not going to run Bristol at all. We're not going to run Atlanta. We're not going to. He'll take all his yeah. He'll sit on. You know, so, it's almost and, like and a monopoly. Some, yeah. Right. It is. And, and I see it's the same way where they are big corporations, and they've priced out a lot of the smaller racetracks. Now, there's talk that uh, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway is going to be bought by SMI. That I just read that on Bob Hockers' tweet earlier today, actually. Um, yeah. And I'll be interested to see if that happens because you're in a guy who owns that racetrack now who's built that to a very respectable place. They, they sell out the place a lot there. They have some good short track racing. Sterling Marlin runs there on a weekly basis. A lot of the good Tennessee drivers, Willie Allen in yeah. the Xfinity Series runs there. Is that guy going to take the love of owning that racetrack and do what's best for the people of, of Nashville and sell it to Bruton Smith? Uh, we'll see. Yeah. You know, and, and well, if that's and, the and, case, and, happen. You know, one place, too, that I've really always enjoyed, um, and I've been there a lot, but uh, in a test there in the, the – uh, the NASCAR uh, Ken Inseries goes there, but uh, I think VR would be a really cool road course. Um, yeah, and again, you get to an opportunity where you know, and, and listen, I like road course. I, I well, VR is not going to sell it to anybody, right? <laughs> I mean, right. And that's the thing. you know, they they've got big, they've got deep pockets, you know, they they you know, right? And that's the, and that's the scary part because, um, you know, to me, road courses are an interesting topic because a lot of people love them. I know there's people I talk to on Facebook who would want to run 15 road courses a year. I'm not one of them. Uh, I like two. No, I like no two, way. Three. Me neither. 
the way yeah. I look at it is if you want to run road, watch road course racing, go watch Formula One or IndyCar because they have plenty of them for you to be satisfied with. But right, yeah. they have produced some good racing. I mean, listen, this one this weekend with Jeremy Clements in the Xfinity Series is unbelievable. I mean, it was yeah. great to see a, a that team was awesome. like that, an underdog team to go out there and, and win a race. And I don't think it happens at a mile and a half track. It only happens at a road course. Um, so, you know, I'm not – in love with adding another road course. I think the road world Charlotte's not going to be very good. I think it's going to be a disaster, but again, Oh Charlotte, yeah. That's going to be horrible. Yeah. That's yeah, to, see, that. to me. That's another gimmicky NASCAR thing though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, what is mm-hmm. with the Rover? Like that just, yeah, I know when I heard well, that, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> it's, it's adding a road course, satisfying NASCAR's need for another road course, which a lot of people want in the chase and yet yeah. keeping SMI in, SMI at the same amount of racetracks. I got you. Uh, I got same you. amount of races. So it fills yeah. that void, you know. Um, so I, I think that, as far as that's concerned, is how it goes. And listen, I love NASCAR. I've, I've as you know that, and I'm sure if you listen to the show, you can tell. But uh, oh yeah, there's some things that they do that scratch my head a lot. But I think that's any sport. I mean, people complain about Roger Goodell all the time, and uh, you know, the NFL is still number one by hands down, not even close. So. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays yeah, out. Yeah, and, and you know, sports, I think sports in general have kind of uh, what you call it, like waves that they go through. Yeah. And I, I, I tell you what, I'm very, very interested to see what this sports demeanor and fan base and everything else when, well, presumably Danica and Junior leave. I'm very, mm-hmm. very interested to see how NASCAR deals with it, handles it, how they – how the fans, you know, deal with it because uh, I think I think that's – I'm not going to say it's going to be a massive impact, but I think it's going to be – I mean, not hearing well, Junior think, mentioned all the time, that's going to be different. Listen, I go to Daytona every year, the 500. I, I am blessed to go to the Daytona 500 every single year, and it's yeah. amazing. It's, it's a great atmosphere. But when Junior wrecked this year, you know, a, a, a good portion of the crowd walked out. They say, I don't care who oh, yeah. wins this race. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's very unfortunate. And that was very scary and eye-opening to me. I went, whoa. You know, if he – because I had a feeling. You know, I, I – my fiance, as I said, is a Dale Jr. fan. And she had a feeling – she knows him better than anybody – that he might call it quits at the end of the year. And I was like, yeah, well, I don't know if he'll do that, you know. Yeah. Even before Daytona because of the head injuries. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So I really paid attention to the crowd this year, and that was scary. But I think NASCAR made this mistake, and I hope they can rebound. Because think of it this way. You know, the storyline of Jimmy Johnson would be amazing, and it's not even talked about anymore. Jimmy Johnson no, has something no. has something has to do it could possibly be win eight championships in NASCAR. That that would be un it's unheard of. You know. Yeah. And yeah. I know people look at it. It'll it'll really never be duplicated in probably our lifetime. I won't imagine. We will not appreciate Jimmy Johnson that what that forty eight team does until they're gone. Five ten years okay. down the road, we're gonna go. Wow, that was amazing because. Oh, people yeah. hate him. You know, people hate him. I think a lot of his, the the fact that people don't respect him is the fact that he's from California. I think if it was for, if it was a North Carolina driver, <laughs> yeah. that a lot of people would look at Jimmy Johnson as as an idol, like they did Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty. You know, what what's this California boy doing running our North Carolina sport kind of thing? Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that is. But if they could, if NASCAR could sell that and say, listen, this guy's going to be a champion. He's he's great. I think it would it would benefit them. They they never sold that. They've stuck on Dale Jr., who's on a racetrack. His numbers haven't been nearly as good as Jimmy Johnson's. His number hasn't been yeah. nearly as good as yeah. as 
uh, Kyle Busch as Denny well, Hamlin, and, as Matt Kenseth. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, going back to talking about the small teams and you had the truck owner on there, you know, small team starting out. It's interesting with the small team aspect because, let me tell you something, I was a big diehard Jeff Gordon fan. And that last race, I mean, I hate to sound like wimpy, but I cried like a baby his last race. I mean, I was I was upset for days. Like, I didn't go to work the next day. <laughs> like, I was so down about it. And, like, so – but I've always been a front-row motorsports fan. And don't even ask me how. It's like when you find that right woman. You know what I mean? You just know she's the one. Yeah, yeah. And I just hanged on to FRM. And I'll tell you what. If Bob Jenkins said tomorrow, I'm, I'm out of the sport, I'll be dead honest with you. I probably wouldn't watch NASCAR anymore. I really That'd wouldn't. Crazy. And, yeah, and so – but what I'm saying, though, is I think that with some of that – with that changing and Dale Jr. changing, to me, NASCAR almost has to keep the small teams around. They almost have to because they're, they're running out of options. You know, you, they're, you're running out of your Mark Marns and your poster childs and your, you know, you're, you're, you're running out of these. The legacy has stopped. You know, the well, Dale there's Hart, a lot of great so, talent, you, though, still. I mean, there like, is. Listen, there is a lot of great talent, yeah. Eric, yeah. Eric Jones, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, those three right there. I mean, I think Eric Jones is, is an extremely talented race car driver. I think Ryan Blaney is an extremely talented race car driver. I think Chase Elliott's an extremely talented race car driver, and I'm probably missing a few. I think Christopher Bell uh, eventually is going to be good. I yeah, think uh, good. Suarez is going to be good. Um, you know, Kyle Busch is not going anywhere anytime soon. He can drive the wheels off a race car. Uh, I think Jimmy's got more years left than people think. Um, yeah. You know, so well, I know there's the talent, talent, but I'm just saying that the, the, the pool – that was that was so many junior fans. I think that there's going to be new fans that do come in that don't necessarily cling to people like Junior because he was so popular. Or you know, it, I guess what I'm saying is it's more of fans can be diverse, or fans will be more diverse and pick maybe lesser of a focus on one driver. Does that kind of make does that kind of make sense? You know yeah, what I mean? They're going to have to make a decision, and that's what's right. hard you know there was a lot listen there was a a plethora of richard petty fans who hung on to richard petty rooting for richard petty till the day he retired and, and listen it <laughs> yeah was a yeah very, the day I'm he sure crashed was, on his last yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm sure it was a very tough last five years to be a richard petty fan because richard oh god uh, yeah oh, personally yeah. i think richard hung on about two or three years too long um yeah. but who might have tell the king of nascar to retire but right you know, he yeah. wasn't very competitive at the end he got a little old he was you know uh, leaving races because he was tired and stuff like that. Those people continued. You know, they might not continue with the same passion. I mean, I, you know, I was a Bill Elliott fan up until 2000 and I uh, still up until they awesome. retired officially. Yeah. But 2003, I was a Bill Elliott fan, and Bill was competitive up until his very last race in a full time ride when he led with one lap to go and blew right front tire, or blew left rear tire, coming off a of turn two on the final lap in the lead at Homestead. Man, and that's cool. You still I, remember that? Yeah. Uh, it was. You don't forget it. It cuts you deep. But for two or three years there, <laughs> yeah. I went into I went into a little bit of a lull, and then you bounce back because you miss it, and you say, okay, now yeah. I'm gonna try and find a driver who's who can I get in? And that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it is gonna be a tough yeah. situation to be in, but um, you know, you 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 just I watch it. I don't watch it just to uh, watch these guys on social media. I watch it because I think it's a competitive, the most competitive form of motorsports in the country, uh, in the world. So, um, you know, and that's why I I really enjoyed this show and I've enjoyed being a part of, uh, honestly, there's some of the smartest race fans uh, on that David Reagan fan site. I mean, there's some smart guys on there. And, 
you know, I think the NASCAR, the social media, the one thing I have to say it's been good with is, you know, 10 years ago, I couldn't get online and know the nitty gritty parts of NASCAR. Like I'm talking to you because I didn't, if I wasn't with a team, I didn't have access to that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, it, you don't, you only get so much on NASCAR race hub, <laughs> you know? And so right. that's well, what I, I do enjoy. Yeah. And, well, yeah. exactly. But that's what I enjoy about this stuff. Cause to me, like, this is stuff that I care about. Like the stuff he talked about with the financial stuff, that's the stuff that I, you know, I think about more than just the, the on the surface view, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, uh, that's well, why that's I really, you know, yeah, exactly. Yes. Made. And then, and then as a fan, you understand things more and you're not just seeing it on TV and listening to, you know, what's what, you know, what they're talking about there, which is whatever. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoy that. And I hope that other fans become more, I guess, in tuned with the insides of the sport and not so much just, uh, cause I think if you're, if you understand what's really going on in the heart of us, appreciate it more and you, you understand it more. And if you're just, you know, a guy sits on a seat cushion and, and, you know, drinks a Budweiser and it has a Harvick shirt on for no reason. then you know, you, you really don't, uh, you don't get as much out of it. I don't think so. Four years ago, my brother and I started this podcast uh, and it was really because we felt that there was a lot of the stuff out there was missing a lot of things. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I grew up in New York city. Well, not in New York city. I grew up in a uh, suburb of New York city, close to New York city. We listened to New York radio. We grew up listening to Mike and the mad dog and uh, they had a great yeah. 30 for 30 yeah. if you saw that, but they've told, they, they've come out and they've told it like it was. And some of our greatest memories growing up of them is yelling at a general manager for making a wrong move. Uh, and it was great TV because that's how you feel. That's how you feel as a fan, and the fan wants to know why. Why did that yeah. general manager make that move? Do you agree with it? Is it dumb? And we kind of wanted to bring that aspect and that element that I say New Yorkify NASCAR, and it's yeah, because that's great. The, the garage area is a very very loyal place. It's a it's a place that it's, it's a cult almost where. You know, if you say one thing bad about a person, uh, it's going to get around, and you're not going to be liked very quickly, and you could be shunned in the garage area. You know, uh, Jeff Clark yeah, had an interesting see, article about that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff Clark, had, if you want to go back uh, you know, on his website, Jeff Clark had an interesting article about that right around Daytona in July where he wrote an article kind of telling the truth about NASCAR as far as the ratings falling down and stuff, and people shunned him in a garage area for a couple of weeks saying, you're, you're screwing us kind of thing. And it's a tough oh, situation. You know? yeah. and, and these guys yeah. have a lot of respect for each other. And rightfully so. I mean, these guys are on a road 36, 38 weeks. I mean, the guys I really have a, a lot of respect for are DJ Cops of the world. That's why I wanted to bring him on tonight because he's not making a ton of money. He's out there doing it because he loves it. You know, uh, it's easy. It's easier to go to the racetrack when you're getting paid pretty penny to do it. But it's much harder to do it when you're uh, a younger kid trying to make it into the ranks like Camden Murphy. Uh, it's a much harder to do it when you're DJ Cop, who's a, who's an owner who is just starting out, and you're going to take your lumps. It's hard to go to the racetrack then. So yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was amazing listening to his his story because uh, he uh, he really uh, went for this thing to go by. I'm sorry, it'll go by. But uh, yeah, he uh, that's really awesome, man. I mean, to me, that just you know reminds me of. Yeah, I just hope that someone like that can catch a break for God's sakes. You know, my grandpa, not trying to go memory lane, but you know, he uh he was very good friends of Wendell Scott and helped him along the way a lot. And he said, Man, Jeremy, I mean he I mean he was with Wendell all the time and he's like, 
if he would just caught a break, man, he's like he he would have made it. He's like if yeah, he would just caught one break, you know what I mean? And that's and it's some of these guys that they just would catch. And honestly, I think that's one of the only reasons that FRM is still even around is because they got two wins. They caught a small break. Unfortunately, I don't think it's a break they can ride on forever. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's a it's a it's a temporary break to kind of get you over the hump and kind of get you going for another year or so, and then you better start doing something else, you know. Um, so, yeah, I hope guys like that catch a break, man. I mean, he just seemed like the nicest, well-put-together person that I've heard talking a long time, and that was just just really cool. He just seems very organized, very, like, melancholy, like, you know, even-killed. So, hey, kudos. Listen, I, hope it, I hope it works for him. I really do. It's It's got to be a tough – I mean, I would love to – uh, just see, go down there and just check out the shop and just see how hard oh, they work. I mean, oh, if I want to log I'd give them $4 million. Yeah, I'd be like, right. hey, here you go, Absolutely. man. You know, make your dreams come true, buddy. Honestly, right. if I want a lottery, I'd, yeah, I'd give him $4 million. I'd give, you know, Front Row Motorsports the other half. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, here you go. You know, go win a race for me, please. <laughs> right. No, so. yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting concept. And I think, um, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I don't know if it was easier for these guys to get in, but you didn't have to go against the monstrosity that these big race teams are, you know. Um, right now, these guys are monstrosity. I mean, you know, for example, Hendrick Motorsports, you can argue that they're junior motorsports in a, in a long, you know, in a, they have, they're an extension, junior motorsports extension, Hendrick Motorsports. That's 18s yeah. right there. And that's, and that's hard. To, and now you're going against that in the Xfinity Series. Same thing now with Joe Gibbs Racing. It's Kyle Busch an extension to you know, they're the top Toyota team. They're an extension to Joe Gibbs Racing. And right. you got to beat Joe Gibbs Racing in the truck series now. Um, that's hard. Yeah. And that's no, really, yeah, you're right. With yeah. Kyle Busch, with Kyle Busch, you got to beat not only a cup owner and a cup series team, but a cup series driver with it. And that's where it gets, you know, you sit there and you go, huh, maybe we need to start limiting these guys, you know? So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough. Great. But, uh, <laughs> Anything yeah, else well, you want to touch on before we before we uh no, before we have to close um, the show? Nah, I'm trying to think of anything else. No, not 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 really. Uh I think I probably should just get on off here and but uh, I enjoyed it and it was it was a good good talk for sure and uh hope Absolutely. You know, more people start catching on to it and calling in and things like that. And I think that uh you know, nowadays with people and society being the way it is, there's there's still room for genuine people that wanna have you know, adult conversations and not Kim Kardashian conversations. <laughs> and I, I hope people listening to this will, you know, feel that, hey, you can call in, man, and, you know, you've got a humble, honest person on the other line you can talk to. You're not pressured. Say what you want to say. Absolutely. Even if people disagree or agree, you know, that's what brings people together is agreeing and disagreeing and able Absolutely. to talk about it and, and have a conversation. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to get going off here and, and I uh, look forward to the next show you have, and uh, and I guess we'll have something new to talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we will. I, and there always is. Every time you look for content, there's always something to talk about. I appreciate it, Jeremy, and please uh, call back next week. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You have a good night. You too. Thanks. Uh, that was Jeremy. 917-889-8280 here if you want to join the conversation, talking circles. A couple minutes left, and you know, I want to touch on um, Darlington this weekend. Um, throwback schemes and, and everything, the whole throwback weekend. I'm excited for it, you know, but eventually you have to wonder if this throwback deal is going to run out a little bit. Um, you know, you're already starting to see schemes repeat themselves. 
Um, and I think that's the whole point of this theme. You know, there's a theme there this year. If you're not aware that, you know, they want cars from the eighties and, and really I think it's 85 to 92 race cars. So they don't repeat, but people don't follow that theme. So they're going to do whatever car they, they want. Um, I just hope it never loses luster. It's a great weekend. Ken Squire and Ned Jarrett. I love those guys. They're great. You're going to be up in the booth again this year. Uh, they're, they're true legends of this sport. You know, this sport would be completely different if Ken Squire wasn't a part of it. And same thing with Ned Jarrett. Um, and I'm excited to see them. And uh, I love Darlington. I, I just hope we have some good racing. You know, this racetrack is the track too tough to tame, as they call it. Um, you never can. Nobody ever really dominated this place. I mean, Pearson was very good here. Bill Elliott had a lot of top tens here. Uh, Dale Earnhardt was very good here. Mark Martin ran well here. But nobody ever really uh, just hit the nail on the head and won, you know, 12 races like Darrell Waltrip did at Bristol. Um, you know, so it's it's a great racetrack. And I would love to see it in the daytime again, the Southern 500. I know I'm probably in a minority on that. And a lot of people who go to Darlington are probably like, oh, it's going to be hot. But I would love to see it in the daytime with, with the tracks eating it, the track heating the tires up uh, and it being hot and these drivers really working in there. I think it'd be awesome to see. Um, I wouldn't mind it on, on Labor Day, on Labor Day Monday. Uh, but these drivers deserve to be home with their family, so we're not going to see that. But I would love to see it in the daytime again. You know, when I was a kid growing up, that was an awesome Sunday afternoon to spend just sitting on the couch watching the Southern 500. And uh, I remember, you know, Dale Jarrett going for the Winston Million back in 96, I think it was, and, you know, bouncing off the inside wall. In the lead, he, he bounced off the outside wall and uh, cost himself a million bucks. And, you know, he had the underdog story that year, too, of Hutch Strickland going after it and trying to uh, – win that Southern 500 and beat the Goliath of Jeff Gordon and Hendrick Motorsports. And they fell just short. Um, but I love that racetrack and I love this place. And, and I love this Southern 500 and uh, I can't wait for Sunday night. I just can't because it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I think Toyota is still going to be very strong. They're strong every week. I think they've found something here in the last few, few weeks to where they're going to be a force we reckon with the next 12 races throughout the championship. I think Truex is the favorite. I think Kyle Busch is second right now, and they have the most stage points. They're going to have a lot of playoff points. They will go on. They're probably both going to Homestead. If I had to say that right now, um, you know, and, and I think everybody else is a distance behind Larson's been very strong this year, but he hasn't been as fast as he was earlier in the year. So I think that's got a lot to do with it as well. So um, listen, I think it's a very, uh, it's, it's a very fun race. It's a very fun racetrack. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this weekend. You know, Xfinity Cup in Darlington in the Truck Series up in Canada. And again, it, DJ Cop, we thank him for coming on from Cop Motorsports. Uh, go to his Facebook page. Like Camden Murphy's Facebook page as well. Their Twitter pages as well. Um, show them th their support. You know, little guys like that help build NASCAR. And we hope that he continues to go about it. Um, I want to thank Jeremy for his call. It was great to talk to him and uh, be back here. We're going to be back here most likely Monday. Uh, check out our Facebook page for the next show here after the Southern 500. Good night, everybody. I had a lot of fun. We'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.